application today. I'll speak more about application next week. Number one, the ascension reveals ultimate reality. The ascension of Christ teaches us and reveals to us ultimate reality. What you see today is not ultimate reality. Eternity is, not time and space. We'll speak about that when I get there. Number two, the ascension vindicates Christ's deity and his efficacious nature on the atonement as he sits at the right hand of God the Father and God accepts him as his Christ. Number three, it's kingly triumph over the forces of evil. The ascension is both preparatory, that's number four. His ascension is a continued ministry as high priest and advocate on our behalf. His ascension and our spiritual ascension with Jesus. Do you know that you're called a co-heir with Christ? We'll speak more about this next week. That's called spiritual authority. Did you ever hear the phrase, know who you are in Christ? Well, we're going to find that out more next week. Who you are in Christ and what Paul means by being a co-heir with Jesus Christ. Do you know your royalty? Do you know that God looks at you as royalty? Grasp the picture of how the Father sees us. Because we need to really understand, we need to see ourselves, not the way we feel or what the world says, or maybe our past history. We all have a past. And sometimes we carry that past throughout the whole life. But God looks at us as his royal sons and daughters who are called to fulfill a mission. Nothing can give you purpose for living in this world than being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And again, number seven, it will be his ascension is our hope while we're still in this world. And people might say, what does that mean in this world? The Bible says a lot about this world. None of it's good. Again, none of it's good. And while we're in this world, and Christ is our heavenly advocate, and he's encouraging us, he's our hope. You can find no everlasting hope and happiness in anything in this world, only through Christ. It must be noted that everything I just spoke about is spiritual. They're all intangibles. You can't put your hand around it. They're they're subjective. I can't prove it to you unless you have the eyes of faith and you believe that Christ is the Son of God, as we sang today, and that he died for you and you've been born of the Holy Spirit. I don't need to try to convince anybody. The Holy Spirit does that for me. All I have to do is proclaim it. And these intangibles are very, very real and highly influential in our life. They shape your character. They shape what life is all about now. Why we wake up and why we go to bed, why we go to work, why I do anything is shaped by the fact that Jesus Christ has died, risen, and has gone into heaven before me as the first fruits. He's our hope. These eternal truths shape our conduct, our desires, and they begin to make us what God wants us to be. They're important to know and to understand. These intangibles, these truths inform us of what it means to be a Christian. To be a genuine Christian is not a new religion. Please, understand that. This is not a religion. We're not about a religion. It's a new state of existence. 
on earth. We are truly spiritual beings now because of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. All this points, as I just mentioned, to our royal heritage. We are royalty and God wants you to know you are no less than a son and a daughter of God. He looks on you and me just as he looks on Jesus Christ, his son and only begotten. Please understand this. I cannot talk you into this. The Holy Spirit has to reveal it to you. And there's one other thing. <coughs> Remember this. That right now, everything I'm going to speak about for the next two weeks, that there is a physical resurrected body of Jesus Christ. He's got his eyes, he's got his ears, he's got his mouth, he's got a body right now next to God. Don't try to envision some kind of spiritual thing taken on. Understand something. He's real. And just like Thomas had to touch him, if we were in heaven right now, we could touch him. That's important for us to know. Jesus Christ will always be in heaven as our God-man representative. I'll speak more about this over the next couple of weeks, maybe three weeks to spend a little time on this. But God wants us to know this, that you are perfectly covered in the court of divine justice. You are covered by the advocate and media, Jesus Christ. No charge can be brought against you. Do you not know that Satan can still stand before God and Satan can still start trouble, but he cannot come before God and bring one charge. He can say, you know, Brian did this last night. And guess what? He'd be right. But guess what? God holds it not against me because what Christ has done. No one can bring a charge against God's elect. If God be for us, then what? Praise God. Let me talk about the first thing. John chapter 6, verse 40. I'm going to read a couple of verses of scripture. I'm sorry. Uh, John chapter 6 is 58 to 62. I think I put that up there. Let's read these. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread that the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread, meaning Jesus by faith, will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogues as he taught in Capernaum, the words of eternal life. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to this? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, he said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending, going up to where he was before? Let me talk about ultimate reality. These verses, along with many other verses in the scriptures, speak about ultimate reality. Science does the best they can to find out how the universe came and what makes it tick. Only the scriptures teach us who and why. Who and why? 
time and space is just, let me give you a quote about time and space. I read this many years ago, never had to read it again, it stuck in my mind. Time and space are a tiny island in the sea of eternity. Long before there was one molecule, there was eternal heaven. We can't comprehend it. Christ always existed. There was always life before this little world, this big universe we see will one day come to period, an end. There will be an end of human history. There will be an end of uh, this universe. There will be an end of everything. And guess what? We will live forever with Christ in heaven. That's ultimate reality. We do not find the comfort for our eternal souls in this world of time and space. Forget about it. Christ ascended where he always was before, and we're going to spend time with him. And we need to know these. We're only mortals who are only familiar with time and space, period. If God doesn't reveal to us what eternity is about, or even if it exists, we will have no idea about it. God comes and he teaches us. Christ came from eternity and he came into time and space and he teaches us that he's going back. And guess what? In John 14, he's preparing for us in eternity. When it comes to life after death, when it comes to spiritual things, when it comes to good versus evil, when it comes to God, when it comes to Satan, when it comes to any other eternal spiritual concept, which are many in the world, go to Barnes and Nobles, everybody's writing about the light after death, everybody's writing about near-death experiences, people are writing about uh, they saw God when they died. I can tell you right now, they saw nothing. Period. God has written everything about him in the Bible. Everything outside that is what we call extra-biblical, and it's dribble. It's a satanic counterfeit to the reality of Christ the apostle Paul calls this the doctrines of demons and seducing spirits the world is crazy to know about life after death they want to know if their mother can hear them they go to seances they they look into the occult they follow all these things you know why they don't have an answer and understand something praise God for Jesus in the Bible because We think everything spiritual is good. No. Only God is good. Only the Holy Spirit is good. Everything else is bad. Very bad. Only a man or a woman who has been born spiritually by faith in Christ of the Holy Ghost. When it comes to spiritual things, whether it's good or evil, only the born again believer can understand these realities. And I say that because, you know, Brian, we know that. But guess who doesn't know it? The rest of the world doesn't know it. They think it's, they think it's an innocence to it. They think, well, we can follow these things. And I was talking to a friend of mine many years ago. With this nervous laugh, she goes, you know, I, I have this current dream all the time that uh, uh, I'm being attacked. And, and she, she's laughing. I'm like, that sounds horrible. I said, let me talk to you about Jesus. She's going, well, I don't need Jesus, you know. And so after we talked about it, she revealed to me, she watches these horrible shows. And I'm like, you've got to be out of your mind. 
And she laughed because she loved the show, but she hated the consequences. Because everything that's spiritual is not good. There's a real evil in the world. There's a real devil and his demons are really in the world and they're misleading people. I'm going to speak a little bit more about that as we go on. Only the born again believer and woman can know the realities of these things and allow these realities to shape our behavior. And you know what about the realities of eternal things? You know what it does? It changes you from the inside out. And you want to live for God. And you want to care for people. And you want to love other people. You want to be a forgiving You want to be kind. There's something special about being kind. It's good for the soul when you're kind and you're compassionate. It's a wonderful thing. Also, an ultimate reality of God's heaven, there are good and evil forces at work. It's important for us to know that. Everything spiritual, as I said, is not good. Most is demonic. Again, only the true believer knows and does not have to be afraid of these things. I was talking to one of the sisters the other day in the gym. She was revealing to me about waking up in a dream, fighting the evil one. And I didn't mention anything, but you know, when I was 13 years old, I went to see the exorcist. Stoned on pot. All right. Talk about paranoid. All right. So here we are, me and Terry and two friends of ours, we're all potted up and losing my mind over here. And I'm watching The Exorcist and I'm paranoid. And from that moment on, please listen. I had a reoccurring nightmare two, three, four times a week that Satan was choking me, sitting right on me. And I would wake up in the middle of the night in cold sweats. Never mentioned to anybody because I didn't put two and two together. I didn't put one and one together. And then when I became a Christian at 30 years old, now we're talking, you know, 17 years later, the dream increased, increased, increased. And then one day I woke up in the middle of the dream and I went, I went to the door and I said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus lives here now. And never, ever to this day, 30 years later, that that come back. Because that's what Christ does. And God allowed me to have those experiences because the world doesn't know Satan is real. When people talk to me, they're going to seances and seeing, going to spiritists and they're talking about these things. And I listen, I never tell them, don't do that, never. I just simply say there's a better way. There's a better way. If you really want to know about life, Come and find out about Christ and what he's done for you. Find out what Jesus says and find out what the scriptures say about life and death and so on and so forth. Then after I get to know someone, I'll say, you've got to be careful of this stuff because this stuff is demonic, it's real, and Satan's desire is to own and maim your life, to ruin your life from the inside out. That's what Satan does. Jesus came to give life, but Satan came to what? Kill, maim, and destroy. He comes to make us miserable. And people don't even realize it. And I want to share that because this is what happens about ultimate reality. When I was 13, when I was going through all those times and, 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 and being tormented all those times in cold sweats, amongst other things, I didn't realize about ultimate reality. I thought just this world was ultimate reality. This is not we're passing through, amen? Yes. We're passing through. That's all we're doing. And guess what? We're one week closer to what? 
Come on, say it with me. We're one week closer to... Praise God. You should rejoice. See, Aunt Diana got it. See, Aunt Diana's 91 and she don't care. She can't wait to see the Lord. Someone said, pray for your aunt. They said, no, she's got to pray for me. She's right there. She's on the way. 12 years ago, the heart doctor said, you got to take your medication. It's not going to work. She goes, I can't. It makes me sick. Am I right? 12 years, no heart medication. She's still here, pounding the pavement. She doesn't look like she aged a day. Because she can't go until God lets her go. And she knows that. Please don't be afraid of dying. Don't be afraid because Satan just loves that. Get up and say, eternal life is in me. I live forever. I'll exercise. I won't smoke. I won't do this. But guess what? I will not be afraid. God has my back. Amen? God has your back. Okay. I say that because Satan in the scriptures is the tormentor of men's souls. He torments people with with cunning and with craftiness. It sounds like he's going to deliver, but he delivers nothing but fear. Denial. Denial. I love it. Uh, the second thing I want to talk about is this doesn't, it, it, it reveals to us ultimate reality as we just saw in John 6. But it's also preparatory. Listen to John 14, 1 to 3. This is the ascension. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you also will be. You see, this preparatory, when Christ ascended, people think he's up there like you got a mansion in heaven. you got no mansion in heaven. <laughs> There aren't, there's not a room there, there's not a bar, there's not a pool. I would like a golf course, but I doubt very much there's going to be a golf course there. There's no there's none of this. Understand, it's relational. What Jesus says, when I go to heaven, I'm going to prepare a place with my Father. My atoning sacrifice, my suffering and dying for your sins is going to make you right with the Father. I'm going to prepare a place for you an eternal reality with my father. That's what he's going to. What do you think Christ is doing right now? Interceding. Interceding. What does that mean he's interceding? On my behalf. He represents a believer. Mm-hmm. And do you think as oh God be extra merciful to Brian he's had a hard life? <laughs> do you think that's what he's doing? He doesn't say a word. When he's interceding, he's not before God saying, Brian saying this, uh, or, or a Roman Catholic might say, well, if I pray to Mary, she'll go to Jesus, then Jesus will go to the Father. I'm like, I'm all over the map over on this one. No, no, it's hard enough just praying to Jesus. I can't go to Mary also. So here's the important thing. Jesus doesn't say a word. He just stands there with the wounds on his hands, the wound in his side, the wounds on his head, and he stands there as the perfect Lamb of God on our behalf. That's all he does. He doesn't say a word. When God sees him, he sees the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He sees the voluntary loving suffering of his son on our behalf. 
Christ doesn't have to say a word. All he has to do is be there. And that is it. That's what he does for us. The preparatory nature is not a castle or palace like I just said. It's not about locations. It's about having peace with God through Jesus Christ. It's relational. Heaven is now ours because what Christ has done. The background of John 14, and don't miss this, was about Jesus just told his disciples that he was going to be betrayed. And he just spoke about the hostilities of the world coming after him. And he also told them, if the world hated me, it's going to, it's going to hate you also. You know, and The disciples are a little shook up by this time. And Jesus is comforting them with his resurrection and his ascension. So no matter what the world throws at you and me, all I got to do is close my eyes and say, God, I'll be with you one day. You know who did that? Are you familiar with the book of Acts? Are you familiar with the 6th and 7th chapter? Are you familiar when there was a young man there and he was preaching his heart out? And what did they do? They stoned him. And as they were stoning him to death, An angry mob was throwing stones and stones and stones until his brain was battered to the ground. He looked up and what did he see? He saw Jesus Christ in heaven in his bodily resurrection on the ascension at the right hand of God Almighty. And he said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. That's what the ascension does for us. This is not guessology, it's theology. And we feast on it. It's the children's bread. It's what gets us from one day to the other in this world that's hostile towards God and his people. It's preparatory. God is still holy and we're not. We're perfectly forgiven, but we're not perfect in character yet. And Jesus is still reminding the Father, I did this for them. When Satan wants to go before the Father and say, look what they did last night, Jesus says, look what I did 2,000 years ago. That's all he does. He's at the cross. He's not there anymore. He's in heaven. He's not on the cross. No crucifixion. He's in heaven. He stands behind before the Father, always interceding for us without a word. His perfect sacrifice, always satisfying God forever. That might not mean much to you until you wake up one morning and you hate what you did the night before. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. If you're a Christian, we all know what that means. Amen? And the reason we have hope and the reason that dissipates that feeling is because Christ is always reminding the Father, this is what I did for them. This is what I did for them. This is what I did for them. Number three. It vindicates. The ascension vindicates Christ's atonement and his deity. I will probably just spend a little time on this and pick up this part two next week. But let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. 15 to 22, you will be tongue-tied as we read this because you're going to say, what in the world does it mean? I will do the best I can to explain this text to you a little bit today, more next week, but understand something. What you're going to hear about is so powerful that the Apostle Paul had to pray that we'd understand it. Are you with me? 
Okay, here we go. Listen to Paul. Talking to the church in Ephesus 2,000 years ago, but he's talking to you and me today. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, Brian. Because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, everyone at Sonship. And the love you have towards all the saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom. That means understanding. And of revelation and knowledge of him, more understanding. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, more spiritual understanding. That you may know, here's the application, what is the hope to which you have called. What's our reason today? What, what, what we were called to salvation. Well, what's it all about? There's a lot. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? We are God's inheritance. What's it all about? Then he goes on to say this. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us to believe, that's the resurrection, according to the working of his great might. What is this great might? That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him. Are you ready? At the right hand in the heavenly places. That's the ascension. And what is he doing there? He's far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also on the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things. Let me give you a little Bible lesson, okay? Along with the resurrection, the ascension shows that God the Father totally accepts everything Christ has done on our behalf for his people. God is well pleased with the perfect atoning work of his Son on our behalf. Again, the Holy Spirit assures us of this truth when we're saved. And the Holy Spirit continually reassures us the rest of our life as we fight sin, as we fight temptation, as we fight Satan, as we fight false teaching, as we fight false narratives of what God is about. When we fight all those things, the Holy Spirit is always there to remind us that Jesus Christ is our perfect intercessor. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He's far above every rule, every principality. He's above every demon. He's above Satan. He's above all these earthly rules. Is, everything that comes against him, Jesus Christ is in absolute full control of this universe and of your life. How important it is to know these things. It reassures us the rest of our life that no matter what we go through, Christ is above every principality, every demon, even whatever is going on in your life right now. Take a moment, what's going on in your life? What's, 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 cat, what's the flavor of the week? What, what's, what's got you? What's keeping you up at night? Persecution. Praise the Lord. The sweet word, persecution. Usually by family members is usually the worst word it comes from. Understand something. Christ is above everything. What does that mean? Does that mean we don't suffer? No. Does that doesn't mean we don't cry? Not at all. Does that mean we don't feel pain? Not at all. Does that mean we be, we, we're not hopeless? No. Don't miss that. Are you going to suffer? Yes. Are you going to feel pain? Yes. Are you going to cry? Yes. But never ever feel hopeless. Understand something. Hope is the great intangible that people don't even think about. I know many people that have many things, but guess what they don't have? Have no hope. They feel like they're living in a dark cage. 
speaking to a friend of mine that got saved under another man's ministry, very wealthy human being. And uh, he said, when he came to Christ, this is what he said, he goes, a light shined. I felt all my life I lived in this dark room. And I just felt like I was fighting these things I could not see. And that was my whole life. I had smiled a lot and I laughed a lot, but I was more crying on the inside. No one can see me crying on the inside. He goes, but when I became a Christian, I remember that day. It was like the door was flung wide open. The light came in and I ran out and I shouted hallelujah and I never looked back. And he sensed this freedom, this spiritual freedom from the bondage of Satan. That's why Paul says we were saved out of the dominion of darkness and brought into the dominion of of light. This is what Christ has done. Paul is praying for this church that they would grasp who they are in Christ. Because of the ascension, this power, this resurrection power, as pastors, John and myself, we do everything we can to encourage and to teach and to exhort time in and time again who you are in Christ. Are you struggling with sin? You don't have to. Are you struggling with fear of men? You do not have to. Are you struggling with the fear of dying? You do not have to. Are you struggling about the future? You do not have to. Why? Because Christ is in absolute full control of your life, of your future, and of your destiny. Is the past trying to haunt you? Are regrets trying to haunt you? Is shame and guilt trying to haunt you? Jesus Christ has taken away your past and is thrown it as far as the east is from the west. He's standing at the right hand of God right now in his bodily resurrection form, interceding for us by just showing God, these people I love, they are my brothers, they are my sisters Amen and when you understand that fear temptations will start taking the back seat in your life think about fears think about temptations how would you like that voice just to be this voice that's you got to do it, 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 you have to do it, you have to do it, you have to. And it fades to black. Did you pick up on that? When you're first a Christian, temptation screams at you. It owns you. It owns me. And as you find out what Christ has done and who he is and what he's doing right now, the voice gets smaller and smaller and it fades and it fades until one day you are a brand new man and a brand new woman. I can go on, but I'm going to hold off. I will pick up on this verse next week. So go home, read Ephesians chapter 1. If you want the scriptures, I'll give them to you. But I encourage you to go home, read chapter 1, 15 to 22, read it, and uh, I'll pick those up next week. Let's close in prayer. Father, we just thank you for what Christ has done on this earth. But we thank you just as much, God, what he's doing right now in heaven. That nothing can touch the believer. In this battlefield, this world we live in, this this moral, satanic battlefield, Father, we have victory. We have peace. We have hope. 
We have power. We have self-control, Father God. And we have a sense of joy that the world cannot take away from us, God. We thank you, Father God, that Jesus Christ, without a shadow of a doubt, has ascended into heaven and has prepared a place that we can be with you forever. And we thank you for that. God, we thank you for the forgiveness of our sins. We thank you for changing us uh, 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 from the inside out, Father God. And we thank you, Father God, that your promise of hope will never, ever be taken away from us. In Jesus' name.